Welcome to Musicals with Impact, a podcast that is part of the Broadway Refocus Project, exploring Broadway's past with a goal to reshape its future. In each episode, we learn about a new and innovative musical that encompasses BIPOC, transgender, queer, women, disabled, and other underrepresented voices. We celebrate a culture-shifting musical as it begins its journey to the Broadway stage. Musicals with Impact is developed in partnership with New York Theatre Barn, a not-for-profit theater company that incubates original musicals that tell untold stories, produced by Fashion Consort and part of the FC Podcast Network. And now, your host, Spencer Williams, musical theater educator, composer, and playwright. For today's episode, Broadway Refocus is excited to welcome Jamie Jarrett, a New York City-based writer and composer that is breaking the rules of cis-heteronormativity through song in his new musical, Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy tells the story of Jackson, a young man navigating his identity as a trans man and as a superhero. A trans man himself, Jamie has weaved in his own personal experience into this beautiful story that gives us a fresh voice to trans and genderful people in musical theater. Jamie was inspired to write this show because he wanted to see himself on the Broadway stage. Thank you for joining us on Musicals with Impact today to explore this important new show in the musical theater canon. You can learn more about the Broadway Refocus project and curriculum on the Broadway Refocus website. Please share with your family and friends so that we can continue these powerful conversations that uplift new voices and stories for Broadway. And now, this week's episode. Hey, all you true crime fans, this is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morph. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. Today, our guest is Jamie Jarrett composer and writer of Wonder Boy, a new musical. Welcome to the show today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. This is exciting to learn about your show and I'm excited to showcase it today. So why don't we jump right in and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how Wonder Boy came about? Absolutely. So I am a musical theater writer. I started writing musicals in college, partially because I didn't get cast in the season. And also because I noticed that maybe one of the reasons I wasn't getting cast in the season was because there weren't a lot of roles for people in the LGBTQ community. So I thought that might have been part of what was factoring into that. And I wanted to start seeing some musical theater that represented queer folks. So in college, I identified as a lesbian and I auditioned for the school season, didn't get cast and was seeing that there wasn't a whole ton of LGBTQ plus representation. And basically, I wrote a musical about a lesbian who is trapped in a novel, and she comes out of the novel to rewrite a very tragic story that she was put into. And from there, I was given so much support at my school to continue writing it, and just realized that there were so many more musicals that I felt queer folks had within us. And specifically, as I began my journey 
realizing that I was transgender and started learning a lot about that and about myself and about what it even means to be a man right now in this world, I started writing Wonder Boy. In the beginning, I wrote it to tackle the saying that I was hearing a lot, which was that trans people are born in the wrong body. And I hated the idea that my body was just flat out wrong. That felt really disturbing to me. I couldn't really vibe with that. I wanted to see my body as complex, perhaps, as opposed to just negative and bad. And I also saw that superheroes also had different bodies than we were used to. And they were celebrated for that. And sometimes it led to mishaps and tricky situations. Spider-Man certainly went through a difficult period in getting used to his sticky hands and his new strength and the swinging. Um, And I wanted to get to see like the second puberty I was going through on T and also like the interestingness of my body. Like I'm five foot five, shorter than most guys. My voice was very high for a long period of time where I was openly identifying as a guy. So I knew that I was different than what a lot of people imagined a man to be, but I wanted to be able to see that difference as something powerful and cool, as opposed to something bad or negative, which was why I thought like, there's definitely something here in creating a transgender superhero and exploring the Venn diagram that overlaps with the two of them. I love that part of the reason why these stories are born out of you is because you haven't seen yourself on stage and you haven't seen yourself in stories in musical theater. And I love that your courage and your bravery around that to be like, no, this is so important. And I'm going to use this particular medium to share that because we need stories. I mean, this is the whole reason why I started this podcast was to amplify these new type of stories. And so it's exciting to hear that you're like, no, I couldn't audition. So I'm going to write my own show that I can be in. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I really hope I keep saying like, I'd love to be able to write like the trans alphaba or the trans Dear Evan Hansen, that role that like other people like me could go like, oh, I really want to play that person one day because I really, I don't act anymore. But when I was an actor, I didn't have a lot of roles that I was like looking towards like, oh, that could be me one day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's amazing. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about the story of Wonder Boy then? Yeah, absolutely. So Wonder Boy tells the story of Jackson, who is a college student. He's about 20 years old, and he is navigating his new identity as a transgender man and also as a superhero. Basically, his super genius mad scientist twin sister has this business where she creates study drugs. And one night she creates a new drug, a party drug. She's branching out to make some more money. And... She at first offers to test the drug on Jackson. And then when Jackson reveals that he is on an antidepressant, she goes, this is too dangerous. It's not going to happen. He ends up stealing the drug and taking it himself, even though he knows it's incredibly dangerous because Peyton has described it to him as something that's going to make him feel indestructible, like completely unbreakable. In other words, in the back of his brain, this is my key to masculinity. This is my key to being a man. I'll be unbreakable. I'll be super strong. But he doesn't realize that everything that the drug does to him, including giving him super strength and the ability to fly, it also leads to him having this power where he automatically self-heals anytime he gets cut. And he has been planning and prepping to get gender-affirming top surgery. And basically now that surgery is completely off the table for as long as he exists as a superhero. So he's 
navigating that while also navigating a relationship with an ex-girlfriend who identifies as a lesbian and doesn't really know what to call herself when she still has feelings for a man and also navigating his relationship with his roommate who's non-binary and figuring out what it means to be vulnerable and what it means to be a man and is there a world in which those two can really coexist what does that look like okay so my mind was just blown i knew i was interested in the show but now i'm like Wait, the intersectionality of all of this is incredible. <laughs> Thanks. And then, like, I want to know what happens. Uh, that's amazing. Thanks. And I also think, like, when you just said those two questions, I feel like everyone can navigate those questions as an audience member, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, vulnerability and what it is to be a, and I'm air quoting, a man. Mm-hmm. And cisgendered men can navigate that and everyone can. And I think that's like also a super powerful part of that. When you were just saying, I was like, this is not just, I know it's about getting representation on stage, but it's also like, you can see yourself in that wherever you're at. That's what I hope, you know, obviously I want the show to speak to trans individuals, but I also do think that every gender can learn a little something about what the heck are we doing with masculinity in this culture? Like what, it has become so incredibly toxic and I have to believe there's a version that is not toxic, that is not harmful, that isn't about oppressing others, but it feels like we haven't really found that yet. And I don't know, I kind of think that it's my duty as a man to start to like take that apart and go, all right, we can't keep doing this version. And I'm hoping that Wonder Boy can help us work through that. Absolutely. It's funny because my next question was, why is the story need to be told? And I'm like, okay, you already answered it. Yes, we need to understand masculinity and the toxic part of that. And, you know, for me personally, because I love musical theater, but like, why not musical theater, right? Things that can reach a wide audience and we can ask these questions. So and unless you have anything more to add to the idea of why should this story be told, I feel like we already have that answer. Oh, man. Let's see. I mean, that definitely is one of my core reasons for why it needs to be told. And I guess also why it needs to be told through musicals is that I do feel like musicals have a universal quality oftentimes and have this very unique ability to literally like synchronize heartbeats in a room when a song is playing. We all tap into that tempo. And even if you're not, completely intellectually understanding what a character is going through. I think sometimes you can get it like through your body with the music, which especially like when we're talking about what it's like to be a trans person who has a complex relationship with their body, like why not tap into an art form that's going to like directly go straight into your body and like go into your nervous system, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I (laughs) I literally just got chills thinking about it. Like actually the one thing that I miss, right? Well, it's not the one thing, but like mm-hmm. one of the main things I miss of being in the audience is having that collective emotional response mm. to someone on stage. And I think absolutely music can create space in a new way for words, you know, specifically for people who don't have a lot of experience or they might not know a trans person or they have a very specific viewpoint on that. Music can absolutely create some space for them to understand that experience. Yeah. And a whole new level. Yeah, I hope so. That's the intention. (laughs) That's great. So 
Tell us a little bit about the development process. Where are you at? Joe Barrow, the artistic director over New York Theater Barn, is one that suggested to talk to you about this show. So I know you've done some work there, but tell us a little bit about where you're at in that process. Yeah, so fortunately, I've received so much support from the community and getting this on its feet and figuring out like how to really dive into so many parts of it. I originally got to do it at this place called The Dare Tactic, which is like a little downtown theater. I did a short little development at Nymph. And then I went on to Musical Theater Factory, which was a major support. I worked with them for a year and a half on Wonder Boy, which culminated in a week and a half reading process, which really like helped me like bring it to a new level. And right now I'm with Theater Now New York. I'm in their writers group and I'm going to be with them hopefully for the long term working on this piece. So right now I'm really going in and looking at the libretto and specifically the music, trying to find some clarity. I think the first few years of writing this, it was like vomiting on a page going like, here are all my feelings. I have so much to say about how I feel as a trans person, how I feel as a queer person. I need to get like every single piece of it out. And I wrote a million songs and wrote like 10 different drafts. And now I'm going, okay. This needs to be able to, I've vomited it out. It needs to start to make sense to everyone or not everyone, but it needs to start to be communicating something specific and really diving into like, what am I trying to say about masculinity or what questions am I trying to pose here? And really making sure that each story beat and each song is zooming in on that thesis of, or our thesis question of, What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be vulnerable? How do we do that together? So it's really some fine tuning and also in some places really just doing an overhaul because I'm realizing the first thing I did was not it. (laughs) Yes, there's always a process. That's why I love to ask that question because like, if you're not a musical theater writer, these shows just don't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like so much process, so much of, I love that you're like kind of vomited on the page and then it's like the editing process mm-hmm. and really trying to figure out what you want to say. And I think because it's on the stage and because you're singing and all these different things, it takes some time to figure out who even getting the right actors in the room is a big, mm-hmm. big beat. Oh um, yeah. And so Musical Theater Factory is in New York City, yes? Yes, yeah. So you're based in New York? Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Well, I'm excited to kind of hear about what that new journey is now mm-hmm. with the show and how that changes and focuses. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Are you sending it out to different festivals or submitting it that way? Or are you going to focus right now on just working in that space that you have that opportunity to? It's pretty much half and half. Part of it is like working with the writers groups I'm in. I'm also at BMI, so I'm able to bring in stuff to BMI. It is so great to like be getting so much feedback. I deeply appreciate it. It is so important to me. So half of it is doing rewrites. And then the other half is working with my agent to figure out like next steps, where we're going to send it, who we think would be really psyched about this. Who do we think really needs to see it? Like, do we need to be getting this out to like 16 year old trans people? How do we get it to them? Do we think they're actually the perfect people to see this who need it the most? And looking at places that, you know, are excited about supporting trans work fully, you know, being like, yes, we want to do like a super gender full cast with you and have a gender full creative team. Places like that are so exciting to me. So it's really kind of 
doing two at once, doing all the rewrites and always making sure that the libretto of my Dropbox is as up to date as possible because we are sending it out as much as we can to folks who we are psyched about, who we think would be psyched about it. Because at the end of the day, I really think it's so important for trans folks and cis folks to be able to get their hands on this and to get this like story in their bones in one way or another. I love the intentionality around making sure that whatever theater company or whatever place is going to do this is ready for this type of material and it's ready for the audience. And then also to make sure that on both sides, the creative and on a cast that there would be some representation that would make sense mm -hmm. right and not every theater unfortunately is ready to do that right now mm -hmm. and like hopefully they're working on it i've definitely seen a lot of effort yes. in regards to that <laughs> over the last few months specifically which i'm happy about but the intentionality around that is probably very important to telling the story correctly in the way that you need thanks so. yeah i hope so <laughs> So one of the things that we love to do is listen together one of the songs. Why don't you introduce the song a little bit about where it comes into the show and maybe a little bit about how you wrote it? Absolutely. So this song is called The Body and it is sung here by Luke Zimmerman, who has played Jackson slash Wonder Boy for a few readings now. And he's also become a very close friend of mine in that process. And this song happens maybe almost midway through the show or a little bit earlier, really, right after Jackson realizes that he is unable to get his gender affirming surgery that he had been planning on getting and is starting to process what his life is going to look like now because it's starting to look very different from how he thought it was going to work out. And this song has gone through so many rewrites. <laughs> I've... Oh man, it was one of the first songs I wrote in the show. It originally wasn't even a song that was primarily for Wonder Boy. It was supposed to be for like a bunch of different characters, all talking about their experiences in their body. And it took a while for me to realize this was really Jackson's moment to zoom in and for me to write a song that I very much drew from my experiences with gender dysphoria personally. It took me a very long time. I mean, very long seems, uh, I will say this. I was supposed to get top surgery at a certain time frame in my life. I went, this is when it's going to happen. And I went through the process of trying to make it happen. And like, I was getting hit with a lot of roadblocks specifically like the hospital, like wouldn't pick up the phone, <laughs> which is just one of the smaller things that can just happen. And then when I finally got on the phone with someone, they gave me a date that was massively further out than what I had intended. And I was looking at a very long wait time, which unfortunately is super common at this point in time. And other people face even bigger roadblocks than mine, but even just that small roadblock felt so terrifying and upsetting and so I really drew on that on like what it felt like to be like I have to live this way for a whole year and looking at Jackson and him going I have to live this way for the rest of my life and trying to tap into that I think gender dysphoria is a really complex subject it can be very difficult to talk about and I wanted to write a song that was as truthful to it as possible or at least as truthful to my experience 
So that's this song. I, I hope that it like does some justice to other trans folks' experiences. I'm not sure if it always does, but I think sometimes it does hook in and people do feel some form of relatability or useful catharsis when they hear it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that and being vulnerable around that. I'm sure that's, you know, this is this is your truth inside of that. And we're excited to listen. So here is the body. I'm in a new dimension where I am indestructible. Where every stick and stone that's thrown bounces right off. The body knows when something's wrong. A cut brings pain, an alarming side of scarlet. And the fibers of your skin tell themselves to reconnect. You might need a band-aid or stitches or disinfectant but overall your body is working to save you. So everything it needs. 
The space is a growing infinity. I'll put my arms above my head, just like the doctor said. Take a breath, big and strong, and move along. Wow, so. Yes, thank you for writing that first. <laughs> and also thank you for allowing, you know, to share that with us today. Thank you for sharing it. I'm really psyched. I just, I've been working on new orchestration, so it's nice to get to put that out into the world. Yeah. What's it like to kind of hear and pause for a second and just listen to your song? <sighs> you know, it's funny. I think sometimes after I've like finished writing something, it almost doesn't totally feel like it's mine anymore. If that makes any sense. Sometimes like I feel this like weird distance from it. That's not like a bad distance. It just, it almost, and in a lot of ways, I think with my friend Luke who sings it, it will sometimes just kind of feel like his song, the way he sings it. He really is like, I think one of my like favorite people to work with and specifically like has such, like an exciting vocal sound. And so I think like hearing him sing it is part of this magic for me of hearing this come from another person. And, you know, it's also kind of a warm remembering of like, oh yes, I did write this. This took a lot of work and I did it. <laughs> Absolutely. It does take a lot of work. Do you feel like that he is also allowed to bring his truth inside of that? That's part of that shift yeah, I hope so. You know, he's a very talented actor. And I think that anytime he does the song, I feel he has a deep connection to the material. And I, I hope he's able to bring his truth to that song. Yeah, you could hear it in the song. <laughs> so that's why I was asking. So tell us a little bit about what your dream is for Wonder Boy. I always love to ask this question because, you know, we all musical theater writers, we all have big dreams and, you know, they're all inside our heads. So what is the dream? I have so many dreams, you know, I think like one of like my core dream is like, let's get this in front of like as many trans folks as possible. Any trans folk person who's like, I want to hear a story and see a story about a trans superhero that talks about bodies in a complex way that doesn't hate on what our bodies are like, that makes space for multiple experiences. Anyone who wants that kind of story, I hope that they have access to this. You know, unfortunately, theater can be kind of classist. So I'm excited to figure out what we can do to make it not that, to make it accessible, to make it something that people can reach and that it's not just for wealthy cis white people, you know? So we have a lot of work to do there. So part of my dream for Wonder Boy is just a dream for theater overall and figuring out how we can get people to see this, you know, when there are so many barriers in the way right now, like what can we do to work on that? You know, that's part of my dream. And then, you know, another part of my dream is getting 
a super genderful cast and creative team working on this, bringing their authentic selves to the room and getting to be in like a full production of this. You know, I have dreams of off-Broadway or Broadway, depending on the day. I fluctuate between the two, you know, but I think it would feel incredibly meaningful to me to see this like fully staged production and get to like take that like small little kernel that I had when I was like 20 years old and wasn't even really completely out as trans yet, was still figuring things out, but knew that like I needed to start writing this piece and that at some level it was going to be useful to the world. So for it to get a full production and get a cast album out there that kids can listen to like while they walk to school, which was what I used to do when I was like 10 or not 10, maybe like middle school, I think I would walk to school and listen or in the hallways, I would listen to like rent or whatever was like the cool thing at the time. And I'd like to be able to be that for like some 13 year old out there who's like, no one understands me, but this musical understands me. I want to be able to be that for someone. (laughs) I love your dreams. Uh, (laughs) Particularly, I I love the idea of more equitable access for theater. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even for for me who have seen you know tons of musicals on Broadway. It's it's gotten even more classist in yeah. the recent decade. I feel like personally, I used to go and see a show for twenty thirty bucks, and like that's just not how it works anymore. Yeah. So I love that. Well, very cool. How would one, if they, this is the first time they've heard of Wonder Boy and you as a writer, like what, how can they learn more about your projects and about Wonder Boy specifically? You can learn more at JarrettWritesMusicals.com, which is, Jarrett is spelled one J, one A, two R's, one E, two T's, and then WritesMusicals.com. That is a great way to see what I'm up to. And also you can follow me on Instagram (laughs) at saucy boy, which is saucy spelled with an I instead of a Y underscore boy, B-O-Y. And yes, it is totally a Shakespeare reference, even though I'm not a huge fan of Shakespeare. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Well, great. I I hope that listeners do check that out, amplifying this story. And your voice and the trans community inside musical theater, I think, is a really important thing to do for the trans community, like you mentioned, but also like for the cis community. I think it's really important so that we understand your story and to get a better viewpoint and everything. And I think we can do that with musical theater. That's my dream. (laughs) I love your dream. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Jamie, and to listen to Wonder Boy. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Musicals with Impact on Broadway Refocused, produced by Fashion Consort and part of the FC Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To learn more about the Broadway Refocus Project and its musical theater curriculum, please visit broadwayrefocus.com. You can also join the conversation on Instagram or LinkedIn at Broadway Refocused. 
Thank you to Trevor List, who developed our graphic design, Iranian-American actor Rod Cyrus for their voiceover work, and Spencer Powell for our theme music. Stay tuned for our next episode.